Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. John 12 is where we're at. We're going through the entirety of the Bible, and here's why. The Word of God, the Bible, His Word, tells us how to handle every situation. If you spend no time in knowing who God is, you will never know who you are. And if you don't know who you are and who God is, you'll never know how to handle the issues that come to all of us. Being a Christian does not exempt us from problems in this life. But being a Christian equips us to meet those challenges so that we'll be victorious and they won't overwhelm us. And so this morning, as we continue on, last week, as we studied, we found Jesus makes his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem. We commonly call Palm Sunday. And there they were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The word Hosanna means save now. Save now, they were crying out. You see, they were all tired of the Roman government, the heavy taxes, and the pagan ideas that the Roman government brought in. They weren't really looking for a spiritual savior. They were looking for a political savior. And so they were crying out, save now, save now. And they were laying palm branches down, welcoming him into the city. And what's amazing about that is that they had an idea of what they were looking for, but not really what they were looking for. I I have found that in my life sometimes. I don't know how many people here have ever been eating, uh, watching TV late at night, and you're sitting there and you're watching, you know, maybe a movie or something, and you're going, "I, I, I want something. What do I want? Do I want chips? Do I want ice cream? What do I want? And we want something, but the problem is we don't always know what we want. Well, it's the same way it is in real life. Sometimes we know we need a change, but we don't know what we need to change to. Sometimes we know we want to get into something or get out of something, but the problem is sometimes we get out of the pan only to jump into the fire. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word, we thank you that you speak to us through it. You equip us for the days to come. And so, Lord, as we would spend this time in the study of your word, that you would illuminate, you would open our eyes, you would change us, and that we would be about your business. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we remember last week as we were closing out this uh, study last week, verse 20. Let's just go to verse 20 of John 12. Now, this is after Jesus had made his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem, And there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Now, this feast was the Passover. Now, Jesus, a week later, from his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem, would be offered up as the sacrifice for all of us. So Jesus knew he had about a week to go before the whole reason that he came to this earth. And so he says, they came to the feast. Then they came to Philip, 
who was from Bethesda of Galilee, and said to him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. What's amazing here is that the disciples led the Greeks to Jesus. Now, remember, the Greeks were not Jewish. Jesus, we remember, came principally first for the Jew. The Bible tells us that we were about halfway through the book of Acts before the early church even realized Gentiles could be saved. By the way, talk about prejudice. That's how bad the prejudice was. In fact, it was so bad that if you were downtown, downtown Jerusalem, you were down at the great swap meet downtown. If you've ever been to uh, some of these open street markets, kind of like the farmer's market that we have here in town, only it was the whole city was set up that way. And you'd be downtown buying and selling, doing your thing. And your coat happened to flip open in the wind and touch a Gentile. And you could immediately tell a Gentile because if it was a Roman guard, you could tell by the way they were uh, arrayed in their armor. If it was a, uh, somebody that was from the area, the way they were dressed. And your coat was uh, to flip open and touch a Gentile you would have to go to the priest and seek forgiveness because your garment, you touched one of those heathens. Well, prejudice exists today as well, friends, but nothing, I believe, like it was then. And so the disciples of Jesus brought the Greeks and and, and they, they took them to Jesus. And now we find where we get into some new ground, verse 23, Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now this, Jesus is talking about in the eyes of his Father. Jesus was glorified in the eyes of the people when he made that triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem. But two different things. You can have the praise of men or you can have the praise of God. The praise of men, always remember this. Mom's dad, tell your kids this well. The praise of men is fickle. One day they will clap and say, right on. The next day it's thumbed down off of your head. We remember that happened to Paul and his companion. They went into town. And they healed this guy that had been sick for a long time. And they thought that Paul and, and, and Barnabas were, were uh, Zeus and Hermes. Uh, they were uh, Jupiter and Mercury that uh, came down out of the sky and And so they began to want to sacrifice to him. By that sundown, a few hours later, they drug him out of the city and wanted to kill him. Now, understanding, if you play to the crowd, you're always going to be disappointed. We all love to be appreciated. We all love to be... uh, Somebody notices what we do. I, I, I think moms and dads, it's where the accolade comes from is what's so important. Because when it's really from God, it's going to be good, it's going to be solid, and it's not based upon the mood of the moment. So much of what we find today is based upon the trend. Uh, You look at the styles. In fact, you look at the styles in people's clothes. If you go back to the, uh, watch some of those old TV shows on TV and, uh, you know, like uh, Route 66 and some of those, and the girls come out and they're bouffant. Now, if you went to wear a bouffant today, people look and go, that's kind of weird. You think about some of the clothing styles that were in the 60s and 70s. Well, you know, I mean, if you had a Volkswagen van with 
painted rainbows all over it, bumper stickers all over the back, you'd be cool. Now it's like, man, dude, you need to get a job. You know what I mean? It's just, everything changes. In fact, I'm, I'm serious. I was at, years ago, I was at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. I drove in the parking lot in front of, right behind a Volkswagen van, and he had put a note up there, the back of this car is nothing but bumper stickers. The hatchback was gone. He had a piece of plywood with just bumper stickers on it. Styles change. But God is always going to be the same. Moms and dads, always compliment your kids. Always compliment your kids. That way they won't look for the praise from the world. It doesn't matter what the world thinks of your child. What matters is what God thinks and what you think. And yes, when they do something wrong, we tell them it's wrong. But when they do something good, you say, honey, you've done so good. They need to hear that. You need to hear that. Moms and dads, compliment each other. Tell the other person how you appreciate him, what they do. You don't want the box boy at the market telling your wife how cute she is. You want you to be doing that. See, the thing is, we all need affirmation. We all need to be loved. But if we don't take the time to love one another, love those that are closest to us, to compliment one another, to notice what we do. You know, it's interesting when Jesus wrote to the churches in Revelation, where Paul would write to the early churches, he would notice what they did. He said, as an example to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, he, he writes to the church at Ephesus and, and he begins to praise them for what they do. Uh, they, they, all the different things but, he, but then he says, but this I have against you, you've left your first love. Now, again, what they were doing once out of love, helping, blessing one another, now they were doing out of obligation or duty, and that always runs out pretty quick. The point simply is this. We need to be able to express to one another what someone does. God notices, we should notice we don't want to take and miss those things. You know, have you ever had and worked really hard on something and somebody walks up and doesn't even say anything about it or even criticizes what you did? You know what I found? Criticism motivates me. Does criticism motivate anybody here? Criticism motivates me. It motivates me to get away from that person. It really motivates me to not do anything else. But see, when I believe that was we see what God does towards us, he first builds us up. He says the things that we need to hear, the things of the affirmation. Then he brings his correctiveness in. Friends, that's what we need to do. That's the way we, when we raise children, we, we notice the good things we do. Oh, honey, you're so cute. You this, But you really shouldn't have thrown the tenth or tranthem and burned the store down uh, today. You know, I mean, we, we need to always affirmate our children, but we, we, we don't, also don't want to not tell them the truth as well. So Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. This is one of the secrets of the kingdom of God in accepting Christ as our Savior. There are many things that I believe God has placed in our life that we would like to see happen. And I think many of those things are godly-inspired ingredients in you and in me. 
Now, there's some stuff in there that don't belong. Well, you know, God, if I could just win the lottery, I'd really be cruising. Well, yeah, we also might destroy ourselves because we don't need God anymore. And even as Jesus said, how hard is it for the rich to go into heaven? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Well, why does he say that? Because if you're rich, you don't pray about anything. Remember, you know, when you first got saved and, and uh, you know, you're out there and, and, and you go out and get in the car and you, oh God, please let this thing start one more time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Off we go. Singing, thank you, Jesus. The clunker runs. You go into the washroom, old washing machine there and, Oh, God, you lay hands on it. It's money. Become a TV evangelist. Oh, God, heal, you know, the the washing machine. Let it do one more load, please, God. And it doesn't. Oh, thank you, God. But then we get money and we buy a new washing machine. We get some money, we buy a new car. I don't pray about my washing machine anymore. I don't pray about my car. In fact, I don't pray about nothing anymore. I got it all, man. I think this is why Jesus said how hard it is for a rich man to go into heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Why? You don't need God. Now, if God ever blesses any of us with anything material, money or whatever, it's not so we say, see ya. It's so we say, God, how may I use this resource for you and the betterment of the kingdom of heaven? How may I be a better servant for you? Notice he says, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Jesus oftentimes would speak that he was the bread of life. What is bread made out of? It's made out of grain. Jesus was crucified, put in the ground. Three days later, he comes out and brings new life to all of us. But I'd also like to say this as well, friends. When we come to Christ, we, let, we just come to him. I don't come to him saying, okay, Jesus, I come to you. Now fulfill my dreams. My kingdom come. My will be done. No, what happens? We come and we say, Lord, here I am just as I am. Without one plea. You know, the, uh, the whole idea of the plea thing. That's where we're going. You know, God, well, I come to you and... I just really need this. Well, I, I, I know God loves to hear us petition him because that's why God taught us when we to pray, our Father which art in heaven. We're his kids. He's our dad. I need daddy. You ever think about that sometimes as you get older in life? You think, well, you know, I'm 18 now. I don't need my parents anymore. I found that in my life, I needed my parents as much when I got older as when I was young. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So when we realize that, I I think that we come to God without condition. We just say, Lord, here I am. No plea. I'm just here. We let those things die, and then God goes through. And even those little things that you had in your heart when you were a child, God resurrects those. The things that would never produce anything in your life, God lets them stay. He doesn't bring those back. But the things that are good, the things that are of God, the things that he put in your heart when you were a child that you would like to see happen, I believe this is where God brings those things back to life again. But it has to fall to the ground and die first. We have to say, okay, God, if you want to resurrect it, great. If you don't, that's fine too. Verse 25. He who loves his life will lose it. 
And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. We only have one life to live, friends. It's what we're living for. Um, What we're living for. How do we say that in today's vernacular? Uh, What lights your fire? If lighting your fire in your heart is for the world, go for the gusto. He with the most toys when he wins and when he dies wins. By the way, nothing. That mentality does not work. God's saying there's another way to live your life that's not only going to mean something in this life in a rewarded sense in your soul, but also in eternity as well. If you love your life, if that's what you're pursuing, I did it my way, you're going to find yourself empty. But when we say, okay, God, I want to do it your way, help me look at these decisions I make, and we all make them every day, friends, which direction we're going to go, what road we're on. Lord, what direction do you want me to go that's going to be the best for your kingdom? Now he says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Isn't that great? You want to be honored in heaven? Serve Jesus. That's great. Now, what does that mean? That's, that's a pretty broad thing. Well, of course, we remember Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that's really the heart of, of, of God. But I think is what God shows us what needs to be done. You know, being a Christian is not where you need to be a rocket science and formulation and deducing schematics to figure out God's plan for your life. In fact, Jesus said it like this, except a man become as a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does that mean? That means childlike faith. We go to him, say, Daddy, here I am. What do you want me to do? And you know, it's funny that oftentimes we'll notice things that we normally would never have noticed had we not prayed. You might see a person sitting on a bench that nobody else wants to talk to. And they're just sitting there and you feel inspired to go say something to this person. Do you realize that God may have been preparing that person to hear the words that you have to say to them for his whole life? And I have found that over and over again, where there's an aching, a longing in somebody's soul, and and God has been speaking to them through various things, and they're just waiting for somebody to walk up and invite them into the kingdom of heaven. Invite them into church, and invite them into a family that perhaps died or they don't have. You see, friends, we are in a world of need. Our world is so, so needy. It is so lost. Why do you think people gravitate towards the fads of today? Because they're empty. They're looking for something they can identify with. Do you think that Madison Avenue and Hollywood doesn't play on that? Well, if you want to be loved, you'll wash your teeth with shiny bright. Well, what if you were already loved? What if you were loved by the ultimate lover, and that's God? Do you think then you would be a victim to try to be loved by using something else to make you lovable? No, it doesn't have any effect anymore. If you're loved by God, 
That satisfies the need to be loved. That satisfies the need to be affirmed. Again, we need people. We need God. As we read his word, will affirm to us the things that God says amen to and the things that God says, you know, honey, you need to best not be doing that anymore. Why do you think people get stoned? Why do you think people need to put a buzz on? Well, if you were happy with your life, you wouldn't need to be altered. In other words, if I was content with the way my life is, I wouldn't have to go get a, a whirly going. You know what I mean? You'll, you know, lay down on your bed and you see two of everything. You know that thing. Well, when you're in love with God, God affirms you. God brings peace. You're happy with yourself. You don't need to get stoned anymore. That's why it's a one-step program concerning deliverance. Because once you can accept who you are in Christ, once you realize you're loved by Christ, you're no longer a victim of the age saying, if you do this, you will be something. If you do this, you will be loved. It's what God does. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. You know, Jesus saying, when we're walking together, doing the job, You're going to be at peace in yourself. Jesus is saying, when you walk with me, that's where I'm at. Then we get something done. Not only just in this life, but in the life to come. Verse 27 is an unusual verse, friends. And I don't know if you're going to catch this, but it's pretty unusual. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Jesus here says, my soul is troubled. What troubles God? That to me is interesting. I I, I didn't think God had a care in the world. I didn't think Jesus had a care in the world. Here we find he did. What is that? Well, it says my soul is troubled. Why? Jesus knew all things. He knew what awaited him a week or so That crucifixion, the brutality, the whole shameful death experience that the cross uh, represents. But he said, Father, save me from, from that. He said, this is the reason I came. You know, I find a lot of times that in, in our lives, the things that we don't want to do are needful. I know they're inconvenient. I know sometimes we don't want to do those things, but they're needful. It's easier to go do something else. I think this is why when Jesus was in the upper room with the disciples, and we remember that he looked at Judas Iscariot, and he said, what you do, do quickly, as he left. The rest of the disciples didn't know what Judas was all about, but Jesus did as Judas went and sold Jesus' whereabouts later on that evening for 30 pieces of silver. Now you look at that and and you realize that Jesus deliberately allowed himself to be taken in the garden. It wasn't, oh man, if Jesus would have just got out of there, he'd have been all right. No, Jesus deliberately put himself where he would be of the most effect. Friends, I believe you can do anything with God's help. 
I believe you can do anything with the anointing of God in your life. That's why it's important to have the anointing of God in your life. Not just an artificial buzz of how great I am, how great you are, that we go around and we think we glow in the dark, but that we go with God's heart, God's purpose in our life. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.